You're listening to the iRacers Lounge Podcast, where we discuss everything iRacing in a casual setting. Enjoy. Welcome to the iRacers Lounge. I'm your host, Mike Ellis. iRacers Lounge is a podcast for the iRacer, where we talk all things iRacing in a casual setting. Joining me are the usual characters, David Hall. Hello. Jesse Gray. How's it going? Will Gibson. Hey, what's up, everybody? Hey, and special guest Garrett Lowe. Hey, how you doing? Hey, welcome. All right, today's special guest brought to you by SimLab. SimLab Racing Simulator Products provides quality sim racing chassis to suit your sim racing needs. Check them out at sim-lab.eu. David, what's a quick update on your shipment? That's a good question. I don't know. I haven't heard back from them. All right, I hope you get your rig soon. All right, Garrett Lowe, let's uh, get to know you a little bit. Uh, thanks for coming on the show. Uh, we're trying to get all the peak drivers on. Of course, we want to get you as well. Um, let's first start about uh, when did you first hear about iRacing? Uh, how did you learn about it the first time, and what did you do about it? Yeah, so I uh, kind of first saw iRacing on YouTube through Rutgers Kev's channel uh, when he was back running the NIS series. And then I visited the NASCAR Hall of Fame a little while after that and tried out those simulators and realized what iRacing was and uh, and stuck with it. And about a year later, I uh, got it for myself at home and started racing. All right, great. Uh, yeah, we had Kevin on the show a couple times, and he's a friend of the podcast. And, yeah, he's been around a long time, and uh, neat that you heard it from him. Uh, tell us about your uh, hardware setup. What are you running for wheels, pedals, computers? How many monitors, VR? Uh, so I'm running stock G27 wheel shifter pedals. I have a Thrustmaster TH8A add-on shifter. Uh, I just use that for rallycross with the sequential plate, and I'm on triple monitors currently. All right. What size are those? Uh, 27-inch, I believe. Yeah, that's a good size. That's kind of the sweet spot. Um well, very good. And what about software? Are you run TeamSpeak, uh, but is there other, other third-party uh, overlays and stuff? Uh, TeamSpeak, Discord, Trading Paints. Um, I use MoTeC for telemetry, stuff like that. All right. Well, we'll talk about the Peak in a bit, but what else are you running besides Peak these days? Uh, official, league, hosted? Uh, not very much at the moment. I'm kind of just focused on Peak. Uh, but the summer's here now, so we'll uh, start getting a little bit more involved. Probably run some NIS throughout the year. Uh, this new package really isn't my favorite, so I don't really love to run uh, in the NIS as much as I used to. Uh, but I'll definitely looking to get back into those here soon. All right, very good. Uh, tell us about what is your preferred car number and why? Uh, my preferred car number is 6. Uh, it's I started playing baseball with it um, a long time ago, and I just kind of stuck with it. and. When I started racing in real life, I picked six, and that was just always what it's been. All right, very good. Um, tell us about what is your most memorable moment in iRacing so far? Uh, so, so far in iRacing, probably my most memorable moment would be uh, in the iRacing Rallycross World Championship Series, being able to win uh, at Iowa for round five, I believe, last year. I uh, took the Joker on the last lap after the leaders were battling and drove right past them. Uh, it's pretty much a surprise win. Uh, but it was the first season for that, and it was my first uh, world championship win, so that's pretty fun. All right, very good. Um, and let's talk a little bit about. I mean, you also got involved in the uh, NASCAR Ignite series, and 
when we were following the first running of that, um, I was thinking you were the guy to beat, and you were you were smoking them over there. Tell us a little bit about the Ignite, your run in the Ignite series. Yeah, so uh, last year in the Ignite series, uh, to do the qualifiers, I won all but one race. Um, I just got spun by a lap car, which was frustrating because I wanted to be perfect, but can't be perfect. That's okay. Um, so moved on to the playoffs, uh, won all but the last race of the playoffs, and it was because I had such a big lead, and I actually, you know, I had a rally cross the week before, and rode to pro the night before, so I really didn't practice very much for that race, uh, but still finished, like, top five, I believe, or right outside of it, uh, and so made it the championship round, and unfortunately got taken out by a net code incident on the last lap of the first heat, so I was going to start on the pole for the feature race, that's what we were battling for. And everybody knew how important that was going to be at Martinsville. And just the net code between us and picked my rear tires up off the ground and spun me. And I just kind of got the bad end of the deal and ended up winning the LCQ. But, you know, so couldn't couldn't pass in the future. Uh, so ended up not winning. It, it was kind of a shame that it came down to that last race because uh, of how you ran throughout that season, you know. But I guess that's how it went. But Yeah, it was, it was definitely pretty frustrating. Um we were we had prepared you know pretty well to to run that race and I felt pretty confident about it but I mean you, until you get there and you know you're in the race you don't really know what's gonna happen and nobody really seemed to qualify well in that race uh, compared to the people who qualified up front all season for some reason nobody really qualified well uh, it was just a weird thing where it just seemed like nobody <laughs> nobody did anything. Um, like usual so it was a very weird race for sure and I think that kind of threw everybody off. Okay, uh, let's switch gears and talk uh, Peak and NASCAR a little bit. Um, tell us about the package. Uh, I mean, I, I, the way I describe it, you know, NASCAR's got my nuts in a vice, uh, you know. Um, but, I, I mean, they really did change everything up with all this high downforce and the big old spoiler and the, the holes in the hood and all this other stuff. How has it affected what you're doing in Peak? Uh, has it benefited you or is it a hindrance? Um, I don't know if it's benefited me or if it's hindered me really, but it just, it's really not that fun to drive anymore. And I hate to say that, but it's pretty obvious when you're testing, uh, you know, just to go test for a peak race now, it's, you know, foot to the floor for, I don't know, probably 15, 20 laps. And then after that, you're barely cracking the throttle. And uh, just, it's almost just very uh, tedious. Uh, and not like the old package where, you know, you just had to wheel it you know, the whole run, this is more, more about, you know, just, you got to keep your foot planted. That's all that really matters. Right. Don't lift at any cost, basically. Yep. I've, I've raced some of that myself. All right. Uh, well, let's talk about the, at the beginning of the season, you were uh, in peak uh, drafted. Uh, tell us about, you know, who you were drafted by. What was that moment like? How did you first hear about it? And what did you think about the, uh, that moment when you were drafted? Uh, yeah, so I got picked up by Renegades uh, Esports. Um, I was the first pick of the second round. So they picked back-to-back, -back, last in the first, and then uh, first in the second. Uh, I, I actually um, watched it, not live, but I the first thing I pulled up when I got home and sat through and watched the entire thing. I, I kind of expected to go a little bit later in the draft, uh, and some of the mock drafts people had you know predicted I was going around 14th or 15th, um, but ended up going 13th, which is pretty good, I think. 
Um, and kind of a surprise team. I didn't really, you know, have a preference. I mean, obviously everybody wanted to be at Junior Motorsports, but <laughs> only two people were going to get that. Uh, but, you know, it worked out pretty good. And I'm pretty excited about that. Well, absolutely, um, because you could be, uh, you know, one of the independents. Um, but uh, glad to see that you got picked up there. Um, tell us about, you know, we're going to talk about the Sonoma race in a minute. But uh, first of all, you're a young guy. Uh, how old are you? 17. 17. Okay. So tell us about, uh, for, for our listeners that are young, like you, or younger, how do they get involved uh, if they want to be in the peak series, what what steps do they take? What would you, advice do you give them? Uh, advice I would give is uh, take your time. You know, get involved with a good team if you can find one. They're not they're pretty hard to come by these days. It kind of depends on who you know. Um, but you know, kind of get involved a little bit. You know, running some NIS, which now you're previously you know NIS was kind of the way to to go to you know get some experience and fix um, find a team if you could and then move into open. Um, and then, you know, progress throughout that season and not running every week, but, you know, just getting experience racing against a lot of the peak guys um, was something that really helped me when I was moving on up. Um, and then, you know, when you run for pro, which the system has changed, um, you know, now, but now it's through road to pro with the trucks. And I just say, you know, if you can get in that, um, then that's the way to go. Just work your way up slow and steady. It took me two, it took me two attempts at pro and I didn't make it either time and then I did road to pro uh, and won that championship last year so it, it takes time yeah and I uh, just pulled up your stats page uh, overall on oval 19.6 is your winning percentage overall which is a pretty good number uh, so congratulations on that it looks pretty good and you have a uh, double digit numbers in road dirt road and dirt oval so you're no slouch on the road so let, we'll talk about that in a minute but uh, First, tell us about the team that you actually run with. That's not Renegade. Renegade is kind of the the marketing team, right? But you have a different team. Tell us about that and who those people are that put that car together that you're running every week. Right. So, uh, you know, that's something a lot of people tend to miss when they're looking at the series from an outside standpoint. But it's a good topic you bring up there. Uh, so the team I'm on is Five Star Racing. We have a, we have a great group of guys over here. Uh, Michael Vanzal is my spotter. Uh, Brian Ammerman and Trent Wrangler are typically the two people on top of the pit box during the peak races. Uh, Cody Natmiller as well, Kevin Schofield, uh, Nick Doucette's our team painter. Jared Crawford's one of our main setup builders. Um, but we're also brought on a couple new people uh, midway through this season in Ryan Luza and Derek Bordeaux. Uh, as well as we're working with the team. So that's Cody Bias, Justin Bolton, Dylan Duvall. Um, so all those guys you know, help us a ton every week. To prepare our cars uh, so that we're both fast. All right, man. Uh, it's nice to have that association with those other teams, uh, especially Mr. Ryan Luza, who's been uh, smoking them this year. Um, but yeah, uh, there, I think a lot of people realize it's not just a driver. There's a, like a team of people behind the driver that really help make everything happen. So uh, good, good idea pointing that out. Next, tell us about uh, how do people follow what you're doing? Uh, you on social media, Twitter, t uh, Facebook, Twitch, or streaming? Uh, so on Facebook, it's Garrett Lowe Racing. That's just for real life racing page. And then on Twitter, uh, it's Garrett Lowe underscore six. And that's, that's for a combination of both. I do some real life stuff on there, uh, keeping updated as well as on iRacing. All right. 
So check him out. All right. So first, but we're going to talk about Sonoma, but I'm going to first mention uh, we do sponsor the Sim Racing Authority Sunday night Xfinity series at the league called SRA Sim Racing Authority. And this week at Dover, Zoltan Herzag wins. David Shutt second, Kyle Putz third. There was only one caution, two races left. Talladega and then the championship run at Bristol. Um, and so check it out. Uh, uh, Nichols didn't win this one like usual. So it's nice to see a new winner in there. So congratulations, Zoltan. All right, let's talk uh, peak at Sonoma. Uh, pole, uh, guess what? Bobby Zielinski. Uh, Keegan Leahy second. Uh, <clears throat> so Garrett Lowe, you get involved uh, with Overland, uh, get spun in the first right-hander. Uh, and then I think Alfala was involved as well. But tell us what happened there. Yeah, so going into turn one, we were all single file. Uh, you know, everybody pretty much, as soon as the green came out, Bobby got a good jump. And we all single filed out going into turn one. And I had cleared the fifth place car uh, before we even got really to turn one. And he decided he was going to throw it down the inside. And he wasn't really there. Um, but, you know, Spotter said, all right, he's looking, looking inside. Well, on the right. And, uh, and I tried to move over to give him as much room as I could when I realized he wasn't going to back out. Uh, and he just, just drove straight through me, uh, which is pretty unfortunate. You know, he's a serious veteran. You'd think that he wouldn't uh, or he would know better. Uh, but apparently he really did, didn't care uh, and just drove straight through me. And, uh, boy, you, you came back up. You really recovered well from that. So we'll talk about that. But, uh, obviously, Bobby uh, got out to an early lead um, from the pole. Uh, and then, I'll, again, I'll mention Ray Alfala. Uh, his bad luck continues. He was caught up and stuff. Um, there was some kind of uh, weird graphical effect during the race, apparently, where they uh, Mason called it a nuclear light, where everything went got whitewashed or kind of went with a bright contrast. Uh, Garrett, did that affect you at all when you were in your car? Actually, yeah. Um, during the warm-up, it was the session was overcast to start with, uh, and so it was already very grippy. Um, and during, I don't know, probably about 15 minutes into the warm-up session, all of a sudden the sun popped out and everything goes white like you're on a beach. Uh, it, and people were, you know, all over saying, "I can't see where we're going," you know. And I was just following the cars in front of me because at the time we didn't have a lot of rubber laid down. Um, but in the race, we could actually we could see the rubber on the racetrack and some of the curbs once you were close enough. Other than that, everything was just white. I mean, it's hard to see anything at all. Whoa. And that made it kind of hard. So it went away after a bit? or Yeah, so uh, if the clouds would come back over, then uh, it would darken up a little bit, and it would be fine. But if the sun popped out at any point, it was, uh, like you said, it was like a nuclear light. It was uh, very distracting and very hard to see. All right. And apparently that was visible in the broadcast, So, uh, and I didn't get to see it, but... Uh, yeah, they need to get that fixed. All right, uh, 79 car loses it exiting the carousel. Uh, Casey Kerwin on, on board. He was using an H-pattern shifter, which is kind of interesting, not getting both hands on the wheel all the time. Uh, I think Mason thought that was interesting. Uh, they were single file by lap 7. By uh, lap 28, it was the aim to pit. Uh, Luza gets in the grass and hits the uh, tire wall on lap 8. Uh, Leahy, Clampett, and others pit uh, on a two-stop strategy at 18. Zelensky and Conti stop the next lap 
and Leahy comes out in front of Conti for P2. And so they had the whiteness problem at lap 23. Um, they couldn't see the track limits. Uh, and then Garrett Lowe, you had some excitement around uh, Zach Novak uh, and Reynolds around lap 26. Uh, Nichols uh, punted off the track, but no damage. Uh, tell us about that. Uh, yes, that was actually a pretty fun battle. I think we're all on different tire strategies there, or just we pitted on different laps, and so the tire advantage was going different ways. Uh, Novak was on a little bit older tire, so I was trying to get around him, and Reynolds was on newer tires than I was. He was trying to get around me, uh, and so we were all in a big pack there having some having some fun. It looked looked great on the broadcast, I think, and uh, I think the fans really enjoyed that one. That was a pretty good battle, uh, and it stuck around for a good while there, too. Yeah, that battle did make the uh, highlights, and we'll talk about that in a minute, But uh, and so people can check it out. Uh, Mason mentioned the brake rotor glow is really nice, and the new Mustang looks great. Uh, Keegan and Ottinger pit for the second time on 35. Uh, Keegan ends up flipping, entering the carousel. He gets on the curb, and Ottinger gets into him and flips him over. Uh, you were right there, Garrett Lowe, for that, too. What happened there? Yeah, so... I, I had no clue when I came over the hill. Uh, I just, you know, was just running my line. I was about to pit. Um, and so I come over the hill, and there's a car, like, looked like it had rolled over in the grass and just starts driving away in front of me. And I was, like, all locked up on the brake, sliding to miss him. Uh, but luckily, he was on fresher tires, and he drove away immediately. Uh, but it was it was a pretty scary moment there for a little bit. Yeah, Keegan ended up, uh, yeah, continuing on. Uh, Garrett, you got the old bump and run with Diaz entering the carousel on 46. Tell us about that. That also made the highlight reel. Yeah, so um, we had, we decided to pit a couple laps late, um, which was at our window, but everybody else seemed to short pit us a little bit more uh, than we expected. And so we kind of got behind a little bit in terms of track position. Uh, and I, I was just stuck in line there and I was getting a little frustrated, and the spotter and the crew chief both came over the radio uh, and said the bumper might need to be used here. And then a couple laps later, uh, kind of sent him packing a little bit harder than I wish I would have. Uh, kind of braked a little shallow, and I braked really, really deep um, and kind of sent him on his way. But we were faster and drove away, so nothing really happened after that. Yeah, why? That's the way NASCAR goes. I mean, you can do that and move on and... But next time when he's behind you, you better watch it, you know, kind of thing. So, yeah. But it was one of those uh, deals. But, I, you know, he was holding you up. It was it was visible. Uh, and then, so then Luza ends up wrecked at the top of the carousel and somehow comes parallel across the track and and Nichols is there. You're there. What And, and, and so... Uh, Nichols ends up with a blown engine. What happened to you? Yeah, so apparently Luza lost it going through right before he got to the carousel. And he hit the tires at an angle where it shot him back right into the middle of the racetrack. Uh, and Nichols checked up as best as he could and just slammed him. And I was behind him, you know, about a car length and a half, two car lengths behind him. And I never saw him. I just plowed right into him. Um, Nichols got the bad end of the deal, uh, and I just kind of moved him over out of the way. And but I didn't have a front end, and the engine was killed, uh, so I just had to limp it home to keep from blowing up there and lost uh, five or six more spots. But 
it had been a good race up until that point, and you know we were hoping for a top ten run, but ended up seventeen, so didn't end up too well. Yeah, I mean, Luza was completely sideways, completely blocking the track, right in the worst spot, right over the the berm of the hill where you couldn't see. And yeah, you guys just plowed in, man. But anyway, it was fun to watch. <laughs> yeah, apparently I, they were on board with me. I heard um, right as it happened out of nowhere. Yeah. And basically you could see my view of just having no clue anything was going on. It's just out of nowhere. Well, Garrett, you had a very eventful race. It was fun to watch. Uh, I think the broadcast was following you because you were involved in all these different things. Uh, you know, and you were in a race with those four guys earlier, and and you guys were really mixing it up. And you were successful in holding them off too, by the way. So, I mean, good job. Yeah, thank you. It was a pretty exciting race. A lot happened. Uh, we kind of made a pretty good comeback there um, throughout the race, uh, and then unfortunately, kind of got caught up there at the end, but. Uh, we had a strong car. I worked on qualifying all day, basically, uh, to get it dialed in, and it, it paid off. You know, started sixth, um, but in the end, that didn't matter after we got to turn two. So, right, yeah. If you had a little luck there at the beginning, all right. And then up front, I mean, it was kind of uneventful. Bobby Zelensky gets the win, and he called it on this show just a few weeks ago. He said, "When we go to Sonoma, I'm going to get that," and uh, that's three for three. He's won at Sonoma in peak three times in a row. Uh, Mike Conti was second. Uh, Jarl Tien posted up shortly after. He was DDoSed at the uh, beginning of the race and lost some laps because of it. And I haven't heard any more about that specifically, but uh, that's a shame that somebody uh, would maliciously uh, cause Jarl Tien's internet connection to be uh, DDoSed where he can't race. That's a bummer. Uh, then there were some other news. Uh, NASCAR Race Hub has committed to showing race recaps for peak throughout 2019. Uh, also, uh, watch NASCAR America, the show uh, at the 5 p.m. East Coast time on NBC Sports. They're doing a full uh, segment on iRacing, including IndyCar, Le Mans, and peak. It also got a very in uh, it sw slightly in-depth commentary on uh, door bumper clear today oh yeah i i was reading uh i, I heard door, door bumper clear uh a bit and tj was mentioning um how he was watching the peak race at sonoma to to worry to figure out what they're doing for sonoma kind of thing as far as the carousel and how that's going to race and uh is it a passing zone uh, it, have they lost passing zones? I mean, uh, Garrett, tell us about that. What do you think? Did we lose passing zones by adding the carousel? Um, I would say you lose the turn seven breaking zone as a passing opportunity, but you also gain um, out of the carousel down the drag strip. I'm not even sure what corner. It might be turn six, uh, but it's a double right-hander, and so if you can... If you can get a run out of the carousel uh, and down the strip, and then you get there to turn six in that braking zone, and you can uh, you can get by somebody or at least get there inside, you can clear them before you get to the S's. Uh, so I think we added a passing zone, but we also took one away. Uh, the whole kind of carousel section, the new section, was really hard to pass in. It was pretty much one lane. Uh, so I feel like we lost a couple opportunities, but before it was really just one corner and you weren't going to pass it there anyway. So I think it just added a little bit more difficulty to the whole course. 
um, but but definitely added you know passing zone down at the end of the strip. Yeah. And so, yeah, TJ was talking about that on the podcast. It's interesting that the NASCAR community is watching these peak races to see how this package performs uh, or if there's changes to the track, like at Sonoma. Uh, I, you know, the other thing about Sonoma, you had 750 horsepower, right? Not the 550. Right, yeah. So we had 750 horsepower and all that downforce. I personally think that the old package drove better than what we had. Um just through all the testing we did, it just seemed like that all that downforce really just chewed the tires up. Uh, whereas previously, the tires really they fell off, but you really didn't lose that much grip. Uh, and after a after a good 20 laps, it was pretty painful to drive, uh, which I think is why we saw some different strategies in the race. All right, all right. Let's uh, jump to next topic. Will the E NASCAR Ignite Series uh, starts today? Yeah, we uh, just got the announcement today, and it starts today, so very little run-up to this event, but it is uh, starting uh, June 13th, which is today. It's going to run through till September 12th. It is a, uh, looks like it's just running as an official rookie series for drivers ages 13 to 16. Uh, Winner of it is going to receive a $10,000 racing scholarship and a real-world test day in a Pinty Series um, car along with looks like a, some laps in a Legends car. So some really cool uh, perks there. Um, top 50 playoff eligible drivers um, are going to make it to the playoffs, and the championship finale will actually be decided in the new Wheeland Modified Tour car. So it looks like they're going to be running the series under the Legends car with the series finale in the Modified. So I'm actually really looking forward to that race. Um, last season... Um, Zach Novak and Garrett Lowe competed, which are peak drivers now, and uh, it looks like a really good series, just very last minute, very last minute. Yeah, for the announcement, that's for sure. Uh, nice prize. Uh, tell us what you think, uh, you know, Garrett, about this uh, format. It's a bit different than what you ran last year. Uh, do you like it? Uh, what would you change? Everything looked good. What do you think of the schedule? Um, I actually like the format changing cars. I think that was something that we missed last year. Um, and I, I think I would have done a little bit better if we had a car change. Because a lot of people, I mean, drive the Legend car. But when you move to, uh, you know, the modified or the late model, those become a little bit more tricky. Uh, and, you know, I think they're still fixed setups, so that doesn't really change much. But definitely the new modified, um, with it being new and improved, um, being able to learn that very quickly know it can really prove if they have the talent to do it all right so if you're 13 to 16 you should run this i mean is there any any reason not to run it garrett i mean what what if you're 13 or 14 and you're like you know what i suck it you know why would i run this i'm never going to win it but you you should should they run it yeah i mean they take top 50 i believe well they took top 50 last year uh, and that, I knew a lot of people who they just wanted to run a few races and, you know, they just wanted to make the playoffs just to see if they could do it. Uh, and it's really, it's not all that bad. Um, you know, you don't have to be the greatest driver. There will be some in there who will be running people over. They're so fast. Uh, but there will also be people in there who are learning and they, I think it's, you know, the whole season, I believe it's seven or eight weeks. Uh, I think it's eight. Uh, so that gives people a little bit of time to learn a little bit more and more and more. Uh, until they get, if they make the playoffs, then you know they can take that uh, that learning with them uh, and apply that as they move forward. 
We also had a VRS announced they're going to be doing free data packs for members. So even if you aren't fully up to speed, a VRS is really stepping up to help those drivers out. So not only do you get a chance to really test your skill against the top talent, get to really see what they're doing to learn and improve yourself as a driver. So I know if I was in that age bracket, I'd definitely be on board just to uh, see where I stack up and figure out where I need to improve. Yeah, if they're giving you uh, VRS uh, just because you're participating in the Ignite series, I mean, that gives you the setups and the, the knowledge to work on the setup kind of thing. So, yeah, it, it's a pretty neat uh, opportunity. And we'll watch it as we did last year and see how it goes. Uh, of course, they did mention a, a few standouts from last year, including yourself, Garrett Lowe, uh, and uh, Zach Novak, who was the winner. Uh, both of you guys are in peak. They point, wanted to point that out. Uh, also, uh, playoff qualifier Raja Karuth uh, was recently announced to the 2019 NASCAR Drive for Diversity Youth Driver Development Program and will compete for Rev Racing in the Bojangles Summer Shootout at Charlotte in June and July. Uh, real quick, Garrett, tell we didn't ask you, but what's going on with real life racing? You doing anything? Uh, yeah, so just running Legend Cars right now. Um, actually participating in the Bojangles Summer Shootout on the weeks that are opposite of peak. Uh, so we decided to to limit the real life thing for the moment and uh, you know run the peak races where I can. Uh, run all four of those through the summer. Um, and just work my real life schedule around that. Yeah, and you're in position to make the playoffs, right? Right. So yeah, I'm so I'm fourth. And so that was kind of we already pretty much thought that through. Um, you know, when the season started, that we were gonna go with this plan, and as we moved closer, uh, just solidified that more and more. All right. All right. Let's keep moving. Uh, David, hot bugs found during week thirteen. Yep, and we just had a hot fix as well, so some of these are probably going to be addressed. But uh, some of the members pointed out that the Gander Trucks bug or is the water temp is not working at plate tracks, and the bottom car in a three-wide situation is losing seven to eight miles an hour. Um, if there's any road to pros at the plates, that might be an issue. And then we had a couple of posts where the windows are missing from some of the cars. They're not, the front they're not rendering. So it looks like they're running. Yeah, the front windshield is running. That would be uh, unpleasant if you're not accustomed to being in an open wheel environment. Um, then we also have some flickering skies. Um, they said it. They've massively improved. This it has massively improved since the patch was put out. But the issue is that the CPU's CPU's notion of cloud shadows was off from the GPU rendering. So it was getting a little confused there. And then there's also an issue with HDR16F tone mapping, um, which involves some improvements for next build. They're gonna be adding fly settings to adjust brightness and gamma, and also updating the HDR displays to work better with iRacing and Windows 10 modes. Yep. And so June 13th, we got Hotfix 2 Season 3. Uh, release notes were issued today. Uh, let's see if there's anything I want to mention here. Uh, they fixed the spotter a little bit. <laughs> they did uh, some. They fixed the windshield problem, the HDR problem, the the whiteness lighting problem, the flickering. Uh, there was some stuff they adjusted on motion blur. Uh, David, uh, 
Anything about the cars or tracks you want to mention? They reduced the uh, power, the peak harvesting power on the Audi R18. I guess they had nerfed the uh, the Porsche a couple of times and then turned around and had to reduce the Audi. They they have different working power systems, so one one charges under braking and one charges under braking and when you're when you're uh, on a straightaway. So it's a challenge to make sure that they they're constantly balanced and they're they're tweaking that con- consistently. Um, they worked on the Delara IR18 with some balance issues on the road courses. Uh, correct myself from a distance too much. I drive that Ferrari a lot. Uh, they're adding camera flashes to more of the tracks. It looks like they did address some of the issues on the Gander trucks. Uh, they fixed a couple of missing curbs on Silverstone, and they fixed something on the game time checkpoints. And then there were a couple of fixes also to the new truck tracks, the pro truck tracks. All right, uh, hot fix. Yeah, that was needs to be updated. It was a pretty small update. Uh, Jesse, top ten highlights. These videos, I uh, I really do enjoy watching them just because we get a lot of experience in our own races. But again, they did it. Another good top 10. I was a little bummed out. I actually sent one this month and I uh, wasn't in there. But these are much better than mine, so it makes total sense why I didn't make it. All right. I thought it was pretty good. Uh, it was kind of neat. Uh, the th- I think the theme might have been like uh, close passes or or big saves, that kind of thing. Uh, but there were a lot of that going on. It was kind of, I always think these are fun to watch. And it, once you start it, you know, I usually end up watching the whole thing. All right, let's keep moving. Uh, Will, Dirt Oval Pipeline. Yeah, so we had a, an unhappy member in the forums basically stating, does iRacing even care about uh, the Dirt Oval side? And um, Tyler Hudson chimed in, and yes, they definitely care. Um there has been a little bit of a content drought, I would say, over the last couple builds for Dirt, but we did get a really big, heavy dump of content, and they're definitely working on that pipeline, so there was just a little banter back and forth on that. It seems like, I don't think iRacing doesn't care, I hope I said that right. Um, iRacing does care, they, uh, they're they definitely working on it, so it's one of those things, all the Dirt racers out there, just be patient, I know we got, uh, we got I believe, Fairberry coming up next, and a couple other tracks, so... I know as a member and someone who races a lot of dirt, I'm happy. They, uh, they're, I think they're doing good. It's just a matter of being patient. Yeah, go race the trucks if you uh, don't like the dirt oval stuff. Uh, yeah, I got Lernerville and Fairbury were mentioned as tracks that are set to come. All right, uh, Jesse, a poll. Would you like to see a tire limit? Yeah, so far the poll has a 192 with an 80% yes rating. And there's a lot of uh, off-tire subject in here, but a lot of it, uh, when I originally heard about this subject, I always thought it was more so in the roadside, but a lot of these comments are in NIS and such, things like that. Uh, I personally hope we don't, but I didn't think I wanted green-white checkers, and they've worked out fairly well, so maybe it would be a nice uh, game-changer for some guys kind of gives a little bit bigger part than you know taking two tires on a late pit stop kind of deal be nice well we had a um when we had our league going for a couple of weeks there 
we we had that rule and it was pretty cool it it totally increases the amount of strategy and takes out the well just pit or basically it takes out the tires or just track position uh equation and it's something that's a part of real life and we're basically trying to sim as much of real life as we can so if you throw in tire limits for certain situations i think it definitely it it makes for a different race it's very interesting but you got to have a way to manage it uh because you got to build a tool to say uh oh shit i'm out of tires and i need to pit uh, can I put on some old tires and which tires am I going to put on and how do I know which, how many laps are on each tires and, and how do I pick it and how do I just choose that before I pit and all that? Yeah, that's definitely something to consider. Uh, how many times have we accidentally fast repaired or, uh, had our fast repaired unclicked in, in some fun race and then towed with the, with it unclicked and ended up having to sit there for 20 minutes. Yeah, you got to figure out how to manage it, and it sounds complicated when I say it like that. I, yeah. I think if you just tell the system to give me the best possible tires I have for the situation, that way right. you say you have three sets, burn through the three, because it's new set, new set, new set at 100%. You hit the fourth time, it's like, well, hey, set two, you have 96%, let's put those on, and then kind of work from there, I think. Yeah, I think that would be acceptable. When they did now, it. Go ahead. When they did it in the uh, circle track late model series I ran, they just had an admin that was watching us go down pit road as far as to take tires or not take tires. In a in a league aspect, I think this would be really cool. I just I'm scared to add any more to the mix of the NAS side. That's what I was going to say too. Is I like the idea for official, uh, not official, but for hosted and league. But in official, I'm not sure I like it. Now, with that being said, if you go to page two and go to the final post, you'll see Brandon Hastings, who we've talked about before. He's uh, uh, works in NASCAR, and um, anyway, he posted up for both the uh, Cup Series, uh, Bush, and Trucks, uh, the tire allocation count for each race on the schedule. And if you click on the PDF, you'll see. Uh, the 2019 Monster Energy NASCAR Cup Series event tire allocation. And it shows every track in the schedule. It shows uh, how long the, the track is and whatnot. But then it shows how many tires you get for practice and qualifying, how many you get for the race, how many you get total. And uh, he's saying basically, hey, why don't they program it to match this? And then we're really doing what the NASCAR guys are doing. I would say the only issue with that is our races are different lengths. So if it's a half length race, are we cutting those numbers in half? Yep. Kind of keep it to scale. I would think so. Yeah, I think I think that would actually work pretty good. Um, I think maybe I'd say NIS is about half distance of the cup races in real life. So if you chop the tire allocation in half, maybe if it's close or if it's an odd number, just give an extra set just to have it. Yeah, yeah maybe one than, extra. One extra, then and one less. Another uh, thing that does happen in real life is if there's a particularly bad caution that tosses out a lot of debris, or you get you get a flat tire because you drove through some debris at the end. Uh, even all the way, to, I saw this happen. I actually watched Natalie Decker's crew chief, or not a crew chief, but one of her one of her team members. Uh, have about a 20 minute argument with an official because they they 
got hit and and it caused one of their tires to go flat and the official family gave in and let them have an extra set and you you would you wouldn't have that capability in the sim yeah you wouldn't lose tires because of damage yep but uh yeah it's an interesting idea i think i voted no because personally uh selfishly i would want more tires rather than less because that's my driving style but uh yeah i'd want tires every time that we could really simulate real life and the higher your i rating the more tires you get below low i rating you're basically an underfunded team get a couple less sets i would like to see it maybe for peak and and uh nis somehow uh implemented but it's just a poll i don't think uh i racing is actually working on it but you never know None of that applies to the Peak Series, right, Garrett? Um, it, if it would, it'd have to be service-wide. So no, we don't have any tire limits. I don't, I, I'm pretty sure, I think we'd probably be the first ones to test it out if we ever got it. Right. So we'll see after, how that plays out, because I think they're going to want to showcase that uh, in the Peak Series first and see how that plays out. Right, think- because... There's always going to be some unintended consequence that we haven't thought of. Right. I think with the new damage model coming, I think that should really be their biggest priority because I think that's going to change racing a lot, um, a lot more than I think we realize, on, especially on the oval side when you can actually bump and rub just a little bit more than we can now. I'm a, I'd say just put all their eggs in that basket, get that done, and see where we land after that. Okay. Next topic uh, I'll take is Will from Boosted Media put up a uh, YouTube on his Boosted Media channel. uh, And it's the 10 things I wish I knew when I first started sim racing. And uh, I kind of watched parts of this. Uh, It's good information. Uh, If you're a new, this video would be helpful. It's about 30 minutes. I think uh, Mason went ahead and and listed the top 10 out for us, so I'm going to read them here briefly. Number one, FOV, which means field of view. Two, triples versus single monitor. You've got to figure that out. Three, input lag. Four, button layout. Five, cockpit choice. Six, force feedback. Seven, take opinions with a grain of salt. Eight, join a quality league. Nine, turn off the assist. Ten, don't be afraid to challenge yourself. Yeah, and that number five cockpit choice, he really almost said could have been number one because he said that'll make a bigger difference than your hardware, which which I find personally interesting because the rig is the last thing I'm getting. But I now that he's brought it up, I've been really conscientious of whether or not my pedals are slipping and if that's affecting me or not. It's a good video for sure. Very good information. Yeah, check it out. Uh, the YouTube channel is called Boosted Media. He's got 57,000 views on this video, so it's pretty interesting. All right, Will, 360 non-wing sprint car. Yeah, so uh, sometime middle of last build, there was some negativity around the non-wing sprint cars and how they were feeling and reacting. And iRacing came out and said that they basically adjusted the car to offset the changes they made to the track, and they'd look into it. Well, with this last build, we got a couple upgrades to the left rear shock and the rear tread pattern, um, and it's definitely made a big difference. iRacing is getting a lot of praise in the forums about it. Um, I know I've driven the 410. I haven't done it in a race, but it feels so much better, so much more 
reactive the way the car rolls and it's just uh, just a big improvement so i'm hoping to see a lot of growth in those non-wing series because they're one of the funnest cars to drive in my opinion it's a it's a shame they don't get more more running but uh yeah no iRacing is getting some really good feedback and looks like they made uh some really good changes okay very good uh david uh logan clampett tells us more about his mazda hot lap challenge so we've got a video posted here of him actually driving a real-life Mazda out at uh, some track in California. Uh, it's not one of the standard iRacing laps, though it it looks a lot like Laguna Seca, but it's a, diff a different layout. Uh, we also have a tweet from iRacing congratulating him. And then there's an interview on thedrive.com with a lot of nice information. Uh, Kligerman has a really good positive quote for him, praising him, saying that he had that he's noticed his worth ethic as amazing for his age, as he spends hours upon hours doing uh, monotonous testing for each peak series race, all while balancing it. It talks about his experience, and we also have Joel, who is a Mazda prototype driver. Uh, discuss his event and suggest that he, if he wants to get into the real racing, he should buy himself a spec Miata. There's the track name. It's Thermal Motorsports Park in California. Pretty cool uh, that he got to do that. And he did put up a lap uh, from the cockpit so you could see how fast he was. And uh, I think he mentioned, too, he got off track at some point. So just trying to push the limits a little bit. But pretty cool opportunity for uh, Clampett. Uh, good job, uh, Logan. Okay, next up, I have supercar update. Uh, Alexander Horn posted, there is a delay with the supercar announcement, and it, and it is something out of our control. We are still expecting positive news in the near future. And so uh, people have uh, been waiting for this, and uh, apparently it's on hold for the moment, so stand by. Uh, there was another post by Brian Simpson about it. Um, let me see what this says. So he's mentioning that there's going to be an update to the car. Uh, and the car, he says, the car isn't ready, though, for any form of preview. and won't be ready until it's closer to the Season 4 release. It won't be a mid-season release, but we will release during Season 4 unless something horrid happens. So it sounds like he's referring to a supercar update in season four all right david porsche sim racing trophy competition so we have a little post from my racing encouraging you to give another give another shot at the porsche sim racing Trof trophy competition it's basically a time attack competition set the fastest time and you win and uh it's uh there's a post as well showing some of the current times and it's it's interesting uh josh rogers is at the top we've heard josh. that name a few times and if you that that entire list is all world championship drivers oh yeah so um, i'm kind of hoping they have it based on division as well so us um non superhero racers have a shot at it nah i mean the winner gets to go to the sim racing expo um, so in Europe, enjoy your trip, Mr. Rogers. Yeah. Well, it's not over yet. There's two days left. It's time attack. You have to do time attack in the Porsche and you have to beat these guys and they are the best in the world guys. So good luck. Uh, actually the time difference in the top three is only 0.01 seconds. 
Wow. So I'm going to run down the names real quick. So it's Joshua Rogers, Sebastian Job, Patrick Holzman, Maximilian Benicke. Remember, he's the guy with the highest I rating in road. Uh, Matt Simpson, Andro, Frederick Rasmussen, uh, Maximilian Winnig, Mitchell DeJong, Sven Hasse, and Lauren Henrik. Usually if I happen to see them, in, in, if I'm lucky enough to be in their split, I'm watching them outrun me in a lower class car. Okay. All right, I got the next one. The new driver view sliders. Uh, we talked about this a bit last week. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit more because uh, David Tucker put up a forum post to give a, uh, a better summary about what these actually do. And so here's what he says. Uh, the FOV one, well, that's obvious. It controls how zoomed in the view is. That should be controlled, though, by the calculator in the upper right of the graphic option. So let that figure out what the FOV sh should be. Uh, driver height obviously moves the driver camera up or down at the same amount in all cars. And so that height adjustment is a, no matter what car. Then there's shift horizon. This moves the horizon up and down relative to the center of your monitor, but does not change the camera geometry in any way. Now, why would you want to do this? I don't know. I think you would leave that one alone. The next one is roll chassis. This blends between your head rolling side to side with the car body or staying level with the ground. And the next one is pitch chassis, which blends between your head pitching up and down with the car body or staying level with the ground. So the first one is roll, which is side to side, and pitch is up and down. And so with those, uh, yeah. So anyway, the next one, neck motion, controls a spring in your neck that smooths out the bumps, just like your real head will roll back and forth as you go over a bump in your car. And then the final uh, slider is called rotate with velocity. We'll point your head in the direction of the slide. Now, I thought I'd take a minute and share my settings of how I run with the what I call the gyro view. And so I run, uh, I'm going to run down the numbers real quick from top to bottom. FOV 167, driver height 2 inch, shift horizon 5%, roll chassis 0, pitch chassis 0, neck motion 25, rotate with velocity 100. Try it, guys. You'll like it. Me and Greg both run these settings, so. I think Mason might, too. But I haven't. You you don't have to do it 100% like I do. When I put it to 0%, that means I'm doing it 100%. You can go 50% and get half the effect. Yeah. And a lot of people will try that. I know um, on dirt, I found my comfort zone right at 17%. It's uh, almost a little too much in the winged car, in my opinion, but perfect for everything else. And I just kind of set mine there. So I'm also curious what some of those would do to a VR view compared to a triples view i haven't played with them any you should you should try them uh be drastic and see how the and the other thing i would try is a dirt car because the the kicking out of the back end and moving around and sliding really will 
exaggerate these kind of effects more than it would on an oval car or something like that or a road car. When you're on an oval or road car, these effects are a lot more subtle, uh, but on a dirt car, they're kind of more amplified, I would say, especially the new dirt truck. <laughs> it's kind of crazy running the settings I just mentioned in the dirt truck. I challenge you to try it. Uh, Jesse, let's talk about that. Junior Motorsports goes trucking. Yeah, they. Uh, I guess Noah just can't get away from this car. And it looks like he's got Justin in on it, too. So, Junior Motorsports, shocker, iRacing involved. But they got some good-looking paints. Uh, it's funny how, looks like, uh, I may be wrong here, but Justin Allgaier, I believe, is running a Noah Grayson paint, which is kind of ironic. Those guys are having some fun with this truck. So it's, uh, I'm going to have to buy it. I'm going to have to just get get right to it and finally do it. I've been hesitant just because the rally side, but I, I'm going to invest, I think. I've been running a couple races a day or more um, recently. I've been doing it a lot. It's fun. I'm not good at it, uh, but it's a blast. Uh, I'm starting to get used to it a little bit. There's certain corners like where there's a there's a jump and then there's a corner right after it. So what you do is you take the jump and you, when you land it, you have that truck already turned for the next corner before it lands. And so you have to kind of twist the truck as you're taking the jump, where it's almost sideways as you're going over the jump. And, uh, and you have to learn how to do that. And it's pretty fun once you figure it out. Uh, let's keep moving. Will, Season 3, Non-Wing 410. Yeah, so this is going to be our, I think, our second and uh, should be final non-wing sprint car topic here. Um if you've noticed, there is no 410 non-wing series running right now, and it's actually going to remain that way for the first two weeks. Uh, Tyler Tyler Hudson posted up in the forums, um, this is working as um, expected in design, so don't freak out about it. Um, they have some announcements that should come out fairly soon um, about that series, so there's a lot of... A lot of noise about what that might be, but if you're looking around non-wings, 360 is the only option at the moment. Um, your computer's not broken, iRacing's not messed up, it's uh, it's running as intended. So this kind of means you're, sounds like they're getting a Pro Series or something. Uh, pro Series is one of the top um, top uh, opinions going out there. There's some talks about maybe a different title sponsor, maybe dropping the USAC name. Um, I really hope it's a Pro Series. I think if they run a comp- God, what's the word I'm saying? Um, if they're held to a high enough standard, I think that would be the most entertaining of all the dirt series. Um, yeah, so there's still a lot of still a lot of opinions and a lot of hearsay. I'm excited to see what they say. If it is a pro series, I am um, 100 making a run at that. But yeah, no, if no 410 series at the moment should kick up in about two more weeks, and it is running as intended. Okay. Very good. Check that out. Uh, David, uh, the six hours of Glenn with boot. All right. The next special event coming up is the six hours of the Glenn. There's several time slots. Friday, 9 Eastern, Saturday, 9 East or 9 a.m. Eastern, Saturday, 1 p.m. Eastern and Sunday, 10 a.m. Eastern. The sim time for each of the races starts on June 22nd at 9 a.m. with a 30 minute warm up qualifying is attached at 10 minutes. There's a 75 instant limit and the field size is 50. The cars that we're using are the the standard IMSA classes. So your DP, uh, the G3, the four GTEs that are available now and two of the GT3s, the Mercedes and the Audi. This is team. 
Yes. I, I don't know many people who want to run a six hour race by themselves. I mean, <laughs> somebody, somebody did, tw- somebody will try the, tw- somebody did the 12 hour of it. You know, my bladder won't last that long. That may be too information, too much information, but. <laughs> All right, go get it. Six hours of the Glen is coming. Uh, next up, uh, email. Everybody got uh, iRacers survey, their yearly survey. Uh, they say we would appreciate you taking a few minutes to give us some feedback so we can t- continue to provide the best possible experience for each of our racers. This is your chance to complain right to iRacing. And so I did do the survey. Uh, you guys got it. Uh, did you do it? Uh, we should, I think everybody should do it because it gives them some good data about what people are thinking. I never got that email. Really? I did. And yeah, they're always listening. Um, they, you know, they may not always go with what you say because there's however many clients saying different things, but they, they, they do listen. All right. And uh, David, we got another email uh, announcement about a membership referral program. iRacing has put out a set of rewards, basically trying to have us help get out the word about iRacing, getting other guys. And in fact, I think uh, we may have somebody who's working on that ourselves. They were posting a few pictures of it the other day. Um, Rules, you must be an active iRacing member at the time, the referral. And at the contest at the contest end to qualify and the contest is going to run from 6 12 to to 8 26 or august 26th uh anytime you refer your new member and they sign up for a paid 3 12 or 24 month account you automatically get 10 iRacing credits uh when you refer any new member to iRacing you also get a chance to win some uh i guess you could say grand prizes which might be a one-day Skip Barber Racing School GTE trip, which is $2,000 value, a Thrustmaster TSXW Racer Sparco competition wheel at $700 value, uh, and various amounts of iRacing credits from $100 to $25. Yeah, to get your own personal link for referral, you go to the account page where you do like your uh, account renewal, and you scroll down and there's a link, a referral link, and you click on it. And that's your link that's associated with your ID. You tell the new person to click on that to start their new account. And that's how you get uh, the credit and uh, signed up for the uh, contest. Uh, Jesse, don't you have a referral you have uh, in the works? I'm trying to get my dad on here. I uh, got him over finally to turn some laps and hopefully... Hopefully he's going to be a new member. He was pretty hooked in a good hour and a half practice. Well, there you go. Get your referral link over to him so he does it that way. All right, Will. Oh, my God. Again, the eight-minute qualifying is too long. Yeah, I feel like this has been a topic since uh, the Rallycross cars came out for the first time. So you've had this come up a few times. But now it's affecting two different series. Um Like we've mentioned in the past, uh, there's always the discussion of the eight-minute qualifying in these uh, dirt road events being way too long. Um, A lot of these tracks and pretty much take less than a minute to run, so you're running two, three laps. You're only out there two and a half, three minutes max, and someone started another poll. It's uh, 96% to 14% at the moment, Uh, 96% for yes, that these things need to be reduced, and... Four minutes looks like the target they're trying to get it down to. So I 100% on board with that. 
the one guy doesn't qualify and you are sitting there forever. Um, so yeah, I don't know what your guys' opinion on that are. Uh, it's bad in the dirt trucks. Uh, you know, I think that's why this comes up again because we got these new dirt trucks and they have this stupid, stupid eight minute qualifying when you're done in four, you're done in three and a half actually. And so you have to sit there for four minutes and do nothing, you know, and just wait, wait, wait. But like you said, if everyone did their laps first and you didn't have anybody who waited, then we wouldn't have to wait eight minutes. But there's always some bonehead that won't qualify. Usually I'm that bonehead from time to time because um, I want to start in the back. I really wish they'd just give us an opt-out option for qualifying or just, just cut the time down. Um, I would rather have... 10 minute practice and a four minute qualify um then a three minute practice that it takes you two and a half minutes to load into with a eight minute qualifying it just seems like a big big waste of time there i think their reasoning was oh it's really hard to change or something like that the way it's programmed or they need to figure it out it's just ridiculous okay let's let's keep on moving uh that one that kind of gets me fired up because it's such a waste of time uh, David, uh, we got a nice video from uh, BMW, a tribute. Yes, it's actually tweeted on the Williams Esports account, at Williams Esports. And it's congratulating Lauren Heinrich and Alexander Voss for winning a trip to the 24-hour of Le Mans on the uh, behest of BMW Motorsports. Yeah, they won the 120 at Le Mans um, race, yeah. And so that's how they won the trip. So uh, pretty cool that BMW uh, put that up. Or I, I guess it was actually William Esports that put it up, but in conjunction with BMW. But All right, uh, Jesse, we got another poll. This one is, would Nim Cross Jr. have penalized Sebastian Vettel from the most recent Formula One race? Yeah, and I went ahead and voted on this because this is, I'm not... Heavy into the F1 side, but this topic right here has had me fired up, speaking of being fired up. And so far, 500 people and 75% are saying no, he wouldn't. But the third post down makes a really good point of if this were to happen in iRacing, you would get the slowdown penalty regardless. So it kind of takes it out of the equation. You'd have to slow down and give up the spot regardless. But uh, I, I still think Vettel got robbed that day. I really feel like, I'm oh, sorry, I was going to say, I really feel like the point of this poll is I think a lot of people question the FIA's decision, just like a lot of people really question some of Nim Cross's decision. So I think it's really a matter of who's more likely to make a bad call than uh, about the incident itself. Yeah, I mean, that's, how, you know, we're trying to compare apples to apples. We do it all the time in sim racing, you know, how to how do we compare to the real world and what's going on there? And so, yeah, it's natural to compare, hey, uh, how would Nim Cross handle this kind of racing incident uh, versus, uh, you know, how F1 handled Sebastian. But uh, I thought it was interesting. I think the voting uh, landed where I thought it would. I want to know his answer. His, oh, yeah, we haven't heard from. Uh, now, if you scroll along enough, there's five pages here. Tyler Hudson did post somewhere no as the answer. And as you may know, Tyler Hudson is also uh, an admin along with uh, with him, with Nim Cross. So uh, Tyler sometimes makes those decisions and works with him on those kind of things. So uh, he said, a matter of fact, no, 
uh, Nimcross would not have penalized Fettel. All right, next up is uh, another poll. This one is somebody asking on the forums, should I go with ultra-wide monitor, VR, or triples? And uh, this is kind of a biased poll, I would think, because this is more of a popularity contest. I don't think anyone's going to vote for something they don't have. What do you think? Is this a valid poll? Unless somebody has all three. I mean, we've had a couple of guys that have had had two of them have tried the older Oculus and the triples and gone back to triples. So unless you've run all three, I mean, I'm partial to the VR, but it's all I use. I've, uh, I've run both. I went a single monitor to VR to triples. I've never done an ultra wide. Um, so I can't give a whole lot of opinion on that, but I would say if you want realism, VR is the way to go, but it is just so taxing on the computer and everything. It's uh, it's great, I would say, especially for dirt racing, whether it's oval or road. They're short, quick races. But if you plan on doing anything longer than a 30-minute race or practice, I think uh, what, the triples is just so much more comfortable. It's uh, sit down, you can relax. You, It's just a little bit more enjoyable um, of a more enjoyable just because it's so much more comfortable. Yeah, fifty-two percent on VR was uh, they won the poll. I spend a lot of time with that thing on my face, and uh, especially the new Rift S. It's a lot. They've taken care of some of the comfort issues. I was the the older one, especially with the foam pad being worn out, was was getting to be a comfort issue. But this Rift S is a lot more comfortable, uh, so that doesn't bother me. But again, that's just a matter of personal taste. I mean, it makes some people motion sick. You know, you, so it's, it really ultimately will always come down. It's awesome that we have all three choices, really. Yeah, pretty cool that all of, that you can make that choice. Yeah, that is cool. Uh, so VR wins 52%, triples at 32 and the ultra-wide 17%. A lot of votes, 476. All right, next up, Will, uh, drifting in iRacing, could it work, somebody asked. Yeah, I haven't actually got, I'm trying to read through this comment right now, but there's basically a poll asking if drifting could work in iRacing. Um, now, I think they're trying to go after like a formula drift type of event. I uh, I really don't think it can work the way the tire model is. I think it would be cool to have always more content's always good because you attract different audiences and just more stuff to do is always good. I think if we had it, it would be a great challenge for iRacing to model that tire and all that knowledge and data they get from that could transfer over to other series. Um, I just think at the moment, uh, I think iRacing really needs to work on the quality of content and quality of life of the sim at the moment versus adding a bunch of new content. I may be mistaken, but it, isn't there an actual uh, judgment of almost artistry factor that's used in drifting yeah that's what i was just thinking of is this isn't a race to the checkered flag like normal uh so how do you determine who wins yeah it's a judgment uh based on judges saying oh he he burned out better than he did you know kind of thing so yeah i don't think it would work and the in the polling kind of voted that way uh 60 voted no it would not work where 29 percent yet said yes I think we just do ever whoever has the most two X's for loss of control wins. I don't know. I, I was thinking the smoke would be kind of cool, though. If it smoked correctly, you know, the tires are all smoking. 
based on some of the videos I've been seeing in chat lately, I think we are starting to introduce uh, high jumping trucks to the Olympics. Yeah, I've been having fun doing that, trying to uh, test that truck to the limit. After the race uh, in the dirt truck, you can uh, launch that thing if you find the right hill uh, pretty far. And uh, I'm trying to clear the old uh, uh, Lucas Oil uh, uh, banner up at the top, but I'm getting pretty darn close. I feel like the way iRacing works now is we could do drifting if we wanted in a league, just run centripetal circuit or find a, maybe a couple smaller infield road courses and have your own personal judging. I don't think it's, it'd be cool if it's something they worked on just as an improvement for the sim overall, but I definitely would not make that any kind of priority. Irwindale would, you could do it at Irwindale where they have the figure eight. It's all uh, open, you know, in the infield. Yeah, they do. I think they do a lot of formula drift there. All right. Next up, uh, David, the iRacers lounge dynamic duo race for the off week for NIS. So we're throwing in another special event uh, since we have, sorry about, my, I forgot to turn my ring tone on to silent. Uh, we're doing a little special race in replacement of NCIS, or not NCIS, NIS not being on. Um, and it, we're throwing up a couple of ridiculous combinations that was kind of inspired by week 13. So we're going to do Pro 4 Trucks and Radicals at Charlotte. Uh, we're starting it in the at, in the morning because the trucks don't have headlights. Uh, it's going to be a 50-minute timed race. And one thing that I was thinking about as we were talking about the the pro race was, uh, or not the pro race, the peak race was it. Uh, it would be a little bit more an incident that would cause a caution in real life. So in this case, we're actually going to do the race in segments. So there's a scheduled caution after 15 and 30 minutes which is going to make it interesting. So we're going to have multi-class racing. We're going to have cautions. And damage is going to be off. Why do unlimited fast repairs when you can just turn that damage off? So damage is off, and the fuel tanks are going to be set where you can uh, have, uh, where each group has to pit at least once. So there's, there's going to be some strategy, but it's going to be fun, and, and you don't have to worry about the car being tore up or getting stuck in the pits. Um, and it's going to be 40-minute practice starting at 8 20 eastern daylight time on friday friday night okay so tomorrow night 8 20 p.m eastern be there for 40 minutes of pra uh, practice eight minute qualifying and we're gonna race i'm gonna do the pro four truck and that sounds like fun uh, i did uh i had a teammate i don't own the truck so a teammate gave me some gave me some times uh, basically, there's about a 20 to 25 second difference in the speed, lap times-wise, of the two classes. All right, very good. Let's get into hardware software next. Uh, David, we got a new wheelbase announced, the Fanatec CSL Elite uh, wheelbase version 1.1. Yep, and they have a nice little video out, but essentially it's up... Graded. It has some upgraded electronics, and it has a greater rotation than the original. It's got the 1080 ro rotation instead of the 900, but it's still the uh, an affordable entry level price. 300 bucks. So this is a, a belt driven. I believe so. It's ba it's the CSL Elite. It, they've just upgraded it a little bit. Uh, on they've upgraded some of the internals and increased its range of rotation okay 
Uh, so check that out if you're interested. Will, uh, next up, triples and 4K HDR trick. Yeah, we had uh, iRacing uh, staff member Sean Nash posted up in the forums that he figured a trick out to get uh, basically triples working in 4K HDR. Currently, if you enable surround, which is how I know I set my triples up, it disables HDR. Um, basically, he's saying um, do not configure surround, run them as three separate monitors, and then um, set it up for 4K HDR. When you launch the sim, um, run it on the single display, and then um, tell it to uh, run full screen, and then all enter to toggle to window mode and resize window to your entire desktop. Basically, you're just uh, stretching a single window across all three. But it works, and it gives you that 4K HDR if that's what you're after. So it looks like he uh, he's working on a way to do it without the the uh, trick. But if you want to run triples in 4K HDR, you now can. Now, if you do this, does the space in the bevels, is that basically hidden behind the bevels? Um, I don't think there's bezel correction if you do that. Yeah, that's what so what I'm saying, that space, there's going to be something behind, basically in that space that you right. can't see, right? Right, right. Yeah, it definitely is a workaround. Uh, but like like uh, Will said, I think he's working on a permanent solution. Yeah, and he, uh, he has a picture posted here on his desk, and it looks fairly nice. You obviously do lose where the bevel is, but if your monitors are in a pretty straight line, it, it does look nice. Okay, so check that out. Jesse, uh, we have a rig review uh, a friend of the podcast, Matt Malone. Yeah, it looks like it took him a good two days, but he uh, now has his whole setup, and it looks really good. Um, he's got his triples with the top monitor above it and nice button box, all the goodies you'd want for streaming with the mic drop. I uh, The one thing that I noticed right off the bat is on that mic, is that not going to block a little bit of his view, or do you think it's up higher than the actual monitors just maybe it's a weird angle but i like i like the setup that he's got going well for streamers the mic is more important than view so but uh yeah nice looking rig this is a four play rig this is a great option for 80 20 cockpits that they sell on ebay it's called four play and that is the brand that he went with uh what do you guys think of the cockpit itself i mean it looks pretty darn solid i mean it looks uh, not much different than the other 80-20 cockpits we've talked about before. I don't know how... I think the biggest difference you're going to experience in any 80-20 rig is going to be the what the materials are made of, how, how heavy the metal is, and like how, what kind of quality joints you have. And I'm sure if Matt picked it he's uh, and doesn't have anything negative to say, I'm sure he's probably pretty happy with the product. I like how he looks like he has the VRS uh, direct drive wheel, and he has it mounted uh, basically, I want to say upside down, but it's hanging. Yeah, hanging, from, yeah. And I kind of like the look of that because it basically frees up the cockpit space to get to the pedals and everything clear cleanly without, without a lot of clutters. That's the first time I've ever seen a wheel mounted like that. I really like it. Yeah, I've seen side mount, and I don't think I've seen that, but that is nice. And the center monitors is right above it. It's like perfect, you know. Yeah, that is a, a nice job, Matt. I think your cockpit looks pretty good. You need some wire management. Uh, the other thing about Matt's setup, look on the walls. 
Uh, he's got the uh, like foam that they use in recording studios to kind of dampen the sound because he's all about the stream. That's pretty cool. All right, uh, what's next? Telemetry logger. Uh, I got this one. Uh, apparently, uh, Daniel Steneman uh, put on the forums uh, a telemetry logger, and it's a tool that he put together. Um, let me see what this is. He's got directions in the post, and he calls it inner logger, I-R-T-E-L-O-G-R, version 1.4. And it says it's a little tool to make your life a bit easier. You can just read what you want from a simple text file. Then you can do with the data whatever you need. Filter, calculate, import in Excel, plot, uh, trigger. But basically, it takes your telemetry and dumps it to a text file. So you can kind of take a look at it. What do you think about this, uh, you guys who have tried telemetry? I think I'd rather have it already put in a chart for me. Yeah, I don't know. I, I saw this and I wasn't sure how we would use it. But he's got a lot of information here and links to instructions and all kinds of stuff. It, it looks very complex, more complex than some of the other tools out there. But I bet you with that complexity, you could probably filter out some of the data you're looking for a little quicker if you know what you're doing. Um, I think it's always good to have more tools, but I uh, this would definitely overwhelm me right here. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you're interested, go looking for that. Will, uh, product review. This is the ProSimu Universal Motion Platform. Yeah, so this is uh, ProSimu.com. It's a motion platform. It looks like Almost like a like it has actuators all four corners. D possibility. Box. Yeah, it looks a lot like a D box setup, but it's a basically a platform that you would attach your rig on top of. So you'd essentially just take your existing rig and plop it down on this bad boy. Um, looks like there's a couple different variants. Um, it looks like it could uh, take up to two G's of acceleration. Um, now, obviously, that's not going to be sustained at all. But if you get heavy under braking or throttle side load that's a pretty good amount of g's uh price wise though you're looking close to about uh, i'm gonna say about ten thousand us dollars so it's a pretty pricey but really nice looking setup very clean oh yeah they got all kinds of rigs uh ranging from you know two thousand euros to twenty thousand euros uh so take your pick i mean they got some i was looking at the one that's 790 euros it's a not a motion cockpit but a regular cockpit and it looks pretty cool i love the seat it really got a, a nice racing look to it kind of a bucket seat but uh really uh low profile it's just got a, a little uh plate to put the wheel on and uh, a place for the pedals and that's it there's not a lot to it I would say if you're running VR, um, this seems like the kind of the perfect rig. There's obviously no monitor mounts on it or anything, but you start with their possible, the, they call it the T1000 racing simulator. That's the one for uh, 790 euros. You start with that, get going, then eventually as you get into it more, you get that platform and just set it on it. Yeah. Yeah, this new one uh, that you mentioned at the top, uh, that's the P5MP. That's a brand new product, 8,690 euros. Uh, that's what they're announcing uh, this week, but uh, it's pretty cool. They also have one, it's uh, no image available, but they have a P7MP Ultimate platform, and that one's actually 
19,990 euros. Yikes. Yeah. For that much, I kind of want a picture, man. <laughs> uh, yeah. Anyway, prosimu, the letter U, dot dash shop.com is uh, where I'm seeing all this. Let's keep moving. Uh, David, specs for the 8K VR Pimax. Continuing on the really expensive items, uh, we've been tracking this the AKVR Pimax for a while, and they've released a video that does a good job of boasting some of its specs and showing some of the high-end design that comes with it. Here's a few of the highlights for you. Uh, it has 16.6 million pixels, uses a single display port, uh, 1.4. It has two 4 th or 4K panels, and their effective resolution is a 38 by 40, um, a 38:40 by 21:60, with 70 hertz resolution. Or, I'm sorry, that's the frequency or refresh rate. Um, the price to know the weight because when you look at it, it looks massive. It's and huge. It's 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 twice the size of the Rift, and I'm just really curious about the comfort issue with it being that big. How much weight it's going to put on your neck? Probably seatbelts for your rig to hold your neck up. <laughs> I, you know, look at the size of the screens on each eyeball. Those are like iPhone XS Max or, I, you know, or a Samsung Note 9. They're even bigger than that. So if you could imagine holding up two of those big old phones in front of your face, and that's what this thing looks like. It's huge. It's really wide. Well, I could pull the coat hanger off of my old Rift and just rig up some kind of attachment. No price, but uh, wow. And then what kind of computer would you have to have to run this thing? And do is there even such a thing? I did not watch the entire video. I kind of skipped through and picked out the specs and and saw saw several frames. But uh, it looks like it. one of the frames, it was talking about various uh, video cards that you might need. At, but there were, there were no listings on it. It was just a few pictures. Of video cards okay so i'm doing the next one rig review i found this video it's a youtube channel called basement gp and this guy is building a simulator in his basement and he's going to build it out of a mini cooper car an actual car and so the video documents him taking the car apart cutting the car into pieces so he can get it down the stairwell into the basement and then re-putting the car back together and then installing uh, sim equipment in the car and so instead of a windshield he's got a big ultra-wide monitor and uh, and whatnot and so it's a very interesting watch uh, he's got uh, uh, several videos about it um, but he calls it, I put a car in my basement. <laughs> the Mini Cooper Sim Racer, he calls it. Very interesting. But it, it's more about the how does he get the car in the basement and turn it into a sim rig than it is uh, you know, the sim equipment itself, really. What do you guys think? Would you try to do this? I still want to find a rear-ended car that the front half is solid and cut it right at the front doors and just have the dash and everything still intact. I think that'd be so cool. Yeah, and he even like had tips 
at the end of the video, like, what would I have done differently? He, like, apparently he had a hard time getting the roof back on after he cut the roof off. And uh, he kind of regret, reg regrets doing that. And uh, it was really hard to fix. And, like, when he put the car back together, I mean, he, like, literally cut it into sections with a saw. And then he would just get a little piece of sheet metal and just like uh, bolt it together with two a tiny, you know, uh, four little rivets and a piece of sheet metal and just kind of put the thing together. I mean, it doesn't have to be structurally sound. He just has to put it together. So uh, that's how he was doing it. Okay, Jesse, you get the next one. Simtag Hydro Pedals. Oh, uh, yeah. We got some expensive pedals and... They look like they are going to be forged aluminum with a nice balance bar and fixed mounted Willwood master and sleeve cylinders. So they're every bit of a legit race car setup. Uh, throttle position sensors, pressure sensor, all by Bosch, Cosworth, which anybody that knows anything about cars means twice the value you think it should be, but they make good stuff. Uh, dust and moisture proof connectors, maximum reliability, plug and play electronics by Leo Bodner. Adjustable pedals, adjustable pressure, adjustable resistance, fully, fully optimized for strength and weight use with finite element analysis. Sorry, and yeah, like I say, twenty-seven hundred dollars, and it looks like uh, they didn't cut any corners on this setup. Wow, hydraulic brake, and uh, this is a—they—they're floor mounted. They're—they're they're not hanging. But they're beautiful, man. Tilting pedals, uh, the the look of them, oh man! If I mean, but the price, I can't believe that price. Yeah, but if you compare that to real world in a car, I'm sure it's probably about comparable in price with those brand names. Yeah, I think I paid eleven hundred for my hydraulics uh, pedals. Uh, this one is twenty seven hundred. But man, I would have to say this is probably the best set of pedals I've seen yet. I mean, I don't think I've seen ones that cost more than this. Could you imagine how expensive those rubbers would be to change? <laughs> yeah. Uh, so the website, simtag.eu. Check it out. And speaking of that, especially if you don't have a spare one sitting around. Yeah, I had some spares, luckily. Uh, and I wonder if they give spares on this one. But pretty nice-looking pedal set, man. If I... If I needed them, man, I'd be looking at those. But all right, uh, Jesse, the next one, uh, I think we picked you for this one because you were looking at pedals at Fanatec, and there was actually a post, are Fanatec pedals worth the price? Yeah, you uh, sent me this link when I was making my decisions, speaking of pedals. And uh, he's going back and forth between the V3s and the CSL Elites more than anything is where he narrowed himself down to. But through the comments, and other people chiming in there's a lot of good information on here about the little small differences and personally the one i like is reading guys going from the g920 like myself and how big of a jump is that really in the v3 or such and it looks like uh for the price difference the way that uh, these guys are looking at it and by their research uh there's argument to say you may not have to go all the way to the v3s and that the elites are 90% as good for, you know, hundred and a half less. Uh, I uh, went V3s myself, but it definitely, definitely a lot of good information in here. So you ended up buying them, huh? 
Yeah, I went, uh, I'm looking at the shifter now, waiting for the base. Hopefully it's here tomorrow. And uh, my uh, Fanatic Order pedals and the P1 Elite wheel will hopefully be here first part of next week. I'm getting excited. I've Still definitely waiting. been happy with my V3s. I went from G27 pedals to those, and it was a huge difference. I didn't even, I don't even remember considering the CSL. I think somebody a couple of years ago said, go V3, and I looked into it and went that route. Are they hanging? Yeah, they're great. Um, the The brake pedal feel is really nice, and the brake pedal makes a real big difference on on every car from oval to road and then when i really especially before the new package came out i really loved the amount of throttle control i had had at at the ovals when when the car was high horsepower it seemed a lot easier to deal with loose off conditions no jesse are yours inverted no i didn't get the inverted i uh i just got the traditionals i was gonna go uh used on the a good deal but it didn't pan out so i pulled the trigger got anxious wanted them on the way okay very good good luck with the new pedals david netgear routers so a guy thinks he's found a fix for the netgear issues that have been known for a while uh i learned my lesson on this when i had to replace my router i went to best buy and grabbed the netgear and it definitely was the problem was occurring i swapped i went and receipt swapped it for a different model and the problem went away but if you still have a net gear and are still having problems, look this thread up and give it a try. Yeah, they basically said net gear routers need to have QoS quality of service enabled to work with iRacing and enable the traffic meter and set it to unlimited. So that's the trick. You have to turn on traffic meter and set it to unlimited. If you don't do that, the QoS, QoS doesn't actually work, apparently. And so, uh, anyway, they finally found it. And so uh, the thread goes on where uh, the, the iRacing team member is, is going to contact Netgear and tell them about this and then hopefully update their firmware accordingly. All right, Will, uh, DSD podium drive wheel panels. Yeah, it looks like we got uh, two different sets of products from Derek Spears Design. Uh, we have... Uh, basically panels to mount up your button boxes to the podium direct drive wheel. It looks like you could get an option to mount on either the left or right hand side. Um, and if you have an existing Derek Sparrow's button box, it should fit in there if I'm not mistaken. Um, they're actually really nice looking mounts, very sturdy looking. Different colors. Yep, yep, that is the other option is we actually have more color options. So it's like you could do blue, red, black, so if you color coordinate your rig, uh, you could definitely make it look very nice. And this is a very good looking piece of material. I'm, it looks like it's some kind of machined aluminum, if I'm not mistaken. Very thick, obviously anodized. And uh, I mean, it's probably a little excessive to hold the button box, but it is a beautiful piece of material right there. These are very tempting for me to think about maybe for Christmas or something. Uh, as an upgrade to my nice podium direct drive wheel uh i mean it's a beautiful button box and they attach right to the the fanatic uh direct drive base on each side yeah and pretty the, cool the way it mounts is you still have full access to the screen on the uh motor so you could still see all of that it uh it, it looks good and 
from what I could tell in the picture, the person who uh, looks like they have a 27 inch, maybe a slightly bigger monitor. So they actually don't stick out as far as I would uh, anticipate. I kind of thought about getting his um, AccuForce options. That's like this. And it was hard to tell if it would stick out too far. And it actually doesn't look too bad. Yeah, I'm a little concerned about sticking out far because on my right side, it'd cover up my Joel real timing. If it sticks out too far on the left, it would kind of block my keyboard a little bit. So I don't know if this is for me, but it is pretty nice. All right, uh, Jesse, we got Ray Alfala telling us about VRS Direct Force Pro. Yeah, he, uh, he did a really good job with breaking down really what I was interested in out of this was just he broke down from your standard wheel gear driven to your belt driven to now the direct drives and just what he his opinion and his experience with the differences and uh he this this vrs stuff is really taken off i think um just because i now they're talking pedals and shifter which and rim with hub so they uh, i know that was kind of a concern when they first dropped the uh, prototypes is, you know, that's only one part of the system, and now it looks like they're going to go the full uh, distance on this one. It's going to be interesting to see this stuff as it comes out. Yeah, let's see it already, you know. <laughs> I may be pretty well set in the Fanatec camp right now, but I hope, uh, but the more competition you have come in with strong brand recognition, the, the better. Yep. All right, next one, David. Tips and tricks to building a NASCAR simulator. So we have a YouTube video with uh, basically talking to you about building your own NASCAR simulator off of uh, old custom parts. And he basically, as you go through the video, he's just telling you different places that you can find the, the different parts and some interesting highlights on some of the prices. So several used NASCAR chassis last year went for as little as $50. And he actually picked out picked up a couple of Joey Logano's old wheels for two hundred. Um, and there's a guy that's actually building custom functional button boxes into the carbon fiber dashes that come out of the cars. And there's more on there later that's built to look basically built into a, a real old car. Yeah, this is the guy is Jason Jacoby. We've talked about his videos before. He has a YouTube channel, uh, and he's the guy who would race in a fire suit in a helmet. And he had a, a simulator that was inside a NASCAR car, and now he's gotten rid of that. Now he's building another one is what's going on. And this video is about, hey, this is where to get it. This is who you need to see. This is who you need to talk to to, to get the chassis, to get you know this and that or you know your your dash converted into a button box and where to get good you know used racing wheels yeah a lot of good tips especially if you live in north carolina because he, he that's where he lives uh, where the race teams are and uh and he's talking about talking to different race teams and different people to get this stuff so yeah insider information check that out i have the next one d IY Fanatic e-stop switch. We talked about in the past uh, this new switch F Fanatec has put out. It's a hundred dollars. It's a emergency stop switch for the DD1 podium wheel, and uh, nobody wants to pay that kind of money. It's highway robbery, and so uh, this guy 
uh, on the forums. I don't remember his name. He put up a video. Uh, his YouTube channel is CNCKART, whatever that is. And he put up a wiring diagram and a, you know, a video of the switch he built. And he figured out uh, how to wire it. And so if you're a do-it-yourself person, you can go to this video. You can build a switch for probably 10 to $15. And he indicated he was going to sell me one. He was going to build some extras, and I might buy one from him on eBay. And so I'm kind of waiting to see if that'll happen. Uh, if not, Jesse, uh, you said you might help me build one. If I Maybe I'll order the parts and have them sent to you, and you can build me one. Yeah, I, I uh, watched the video a couple times now. I watched it with my dad, and I watched it with my roommate. It's uh, it's not the most difficult thing. I uh, I miss pen soldering and all that stuff, so it'd be fun to definitely give this a go. Yeah, and I yeah. might take you up on that. Same. I don't have. I considered doing it myself, but I don't have all those tools. Yeah, you don't want me touching a soldering gun. That's a bad thing. So, <laughs> all right, Will uh, Anthony Alfredo. Yeah, we had uh, SimSeats. They tweeted out that they are getting ready to do install for a pro driver. Um, they also mentioned we can't, or we still can't say who it is, though. Sorry, guys. Um, and in the same tweet, they had a bunch of Anthony Alfredo uh, posts, uh, pictures posted up. So, yeah, SimSeats is uh, building a new rig. So if you see him on track, uh, you're running with a, a truck driver. Yeah, he's a truck, a craftsman truck driver, or gander, whatever they call it. Yeah, it looks like he, from what I can see here, it looks like he might be sharing the 54 truck with Natalie Decker, if I'm not mistaken. Okay. All right, let's get into results. The NASCAR iRacing Series, let's finish up Michigan from last week. Friday open, Tony Rochette, P4, was an innocent bystander in a wreck that clipped my end, sending the car around, stayed in the top 10 with the draft, had the save of the year coming out of four with two cars collected each other and tagged me in the right door on a green-white checker attempt. P4. And I saw that video he put up of that save. I mean, he had that thing dead sideways and got it back under control and kept it uh, going in the right direction. So good job, Tony. Uh, and then I ran, and I got wrecked out. I actually took the lead with 14 to go. And got turned uh, shortly after from behind on the backstretch. And, uh, boy, I took the lead. The guy was behind me. We're going down the backstretch. He's, like, rubbing my bumper from left to right, left to right. And sure enough, it hooked me, and boom, I'm in the outside wall. So I only led for, like, 100 yards there, and then I got wrecked. But uh, I was happy with the run because... I got to the lead, man, and I was there. Jesse, uh, tell us about your run. Yeah, unfortunately, I was watching that out the windshield when that happened to you. I was excited to see you jump out to the lead and looking like we were going to have another good finish at Michigan. And, yeah, after you got watered up, it took out a few of the good cars, obviously. And I, luckily, Greg uh, did a great job spotting me. And we got aggressive. I already had a fourth place for the week, so I wanted to go for the win. and made a three wide move and it didn't pan out. And I think my car's still buried down the backstretch uh, wall, like Dale Jr.'s graveyard. I got uh, slammed pretty, pretty hard down the back there, but it uh, just wasn't meant to be, I guess. Cool thing is just being in position with you and David and all of them. It's, it's been, it's been a good week, I think. 
Yep. Yeah, and you had Greg in your ear telling you what to do and trying to get that win, but it didn't work. Crucial. That spotter really helps, especially at this, not only just this package, but this size of a track. I mean, we're we're on a smaller uh, Talladega, we keep saying it. But yeah, it's uh, he was my uh, TJ Majors for sure. All right. Uh, then Sunday fixed, uh, P8 uh, was my run. And I, you know, I... Didn't write a lot about it, but it was basically a top 10 run. I was running, you know, in the top 10, basically 15th, somewhere to 5th to 15th. I ended up P8. It was pretty uneventful. Uh, Bill Hole was in there with me. Uh, he got wrecked out, unfortunately. Uh, Jesse, you had a better run in a difference. You were a split above us. You got P3. Yeah, it was not the fixed racing in the NAS series I've had it all experience wise this year so far it was a nice pleasant change of some good 15 20 lap runs uh green flag conditions almost even had a uh, green flag pit stop and I uh was top 10 all day and crept up to the front Mason spotted me and gave me uh all the right moves to get in position there at the end but just nowhere to go just stuck Right there, couldn't do anything with it. As usual, track position. I needed to be up there a little sooner than I was and ran out of laps. It's a good run, though. Yep. All right, next up, uh, Tifosi Intramural Standings are actually powered by iPitting.com. iPitting makes it easy for you to keep track of your iRacing team's progress throughout the season with up-to-minute race results, point standings, and driver rankings for everyone in your team. So, David, uh, how are our rankings? They're closing in pretty tight. Uh, we have three drop weeks now, so that's helping balance everything out a little bit. We have position swapping in the open. Scales is back; is still at the top, but his point lead is down to four. Rochette is in third, only 11 points behind. And the entire top five is within 21 points. Uh, in the fixed, it's a little calmer, but McCoy and Ellis are making it a two-horse race. McCoy has the lead. Ellis is 18 points behind. And Hull, Bill Hull, is in third with a 39-point deficit. All right. And we get all those numbers from iPitting.com. Check them out. All right, let's get into official. Uh, I'm going to talk about the Lucas Oil Off-Road Racing. Uh, like I said, I've been running that quite a bit. My best uh, qualifying is second. Uh, and my best results so far, P5. I think I got a P2 in week 13, but since the new uh, season started, I'm a P5. I pretty much suck. I'm pretty slow, but I think I'm getting better. Uh, I also think my wheel is holding me back. My wheel is not mounted great because uh, it's kind of broken. Uh, and so it'll lift up if I lift it up. Otherwise, it it's fairly solid, but... I think once I get the new wheels, I'm going to be a lot more aggressive with these trucks. Um, but yeah, they're a blast. I do definitely recommend them. The, the, the Pro 4, I love it. The Pro 2, I can't even get around the track. I suck in that truck. I don't. It's a huge difference. All right, uh, let's keep moving. Uh, Stiver, Mason Stiver on leagues. He ran the Online Sim Racing Association Daytona duels at Daytona. He said he uh, finished last. That's all we got. Uh, he also ran the Podium Esports Monday Night Madness, uh, wrecked in the first race, uh, and then 
Jesse, you ran Northwest Racing Series P1. Good win. Yeah, it. Uh, I had Iowa circled for sure as far as the schedule is concerned in that series. Like I say every week, some of the toughest guys to run with. And uh, I uh, knew I needed track position right there at the end. I got humble about midway through the race. I didn't had about a top five car. I played my cards right, but I definitely wasn't even a podium car. And I knew I needed track position. Passing was extremely hard. Everybody's real close. And uh, I took two tires. We had a four-lap run at the end. Uh, still had the threat of the green-white checkered, but I felt confident on two. Went, Made the call and started uh, third on the restart. And the leader stayed out. And I knew sitting behind him wasn't going to be good. And so I got a little aggressive going down into one on the restart. Put it three wide and uh, jumped out on him and was able to pull out enough to hold him off up until uh last corner second place was chasing me down but just not enough time for him i like being on the other side of that normally i'm complaining about running out of laps and this time i was the one that uh, wanted the laps to end so pretty excited about that puts me in the chase at the end of the year all right well done and so two tires usually doesn't work but it did yeah xfinity car i seem to get away with that one the uh, a car doesn't seem to like it nearly as much it drastically changes the handling. Okay. And that's it. Let's go to the final thoughts. David Hall. I'm, uh, looking forward to seeing that Sim Labs racing rig when it, when it gets here. Hopefully it'll be here within the week or two. And also, we've been talking quite a bit lately about a neat little piece of hardware coming from Scott Rupp uh, with the little LEDs that... that that help you with your spotting they light up when you have a car greg's been real positive about them and he pointed out how it's um it gives you even quicker response time to people being around you than than uh an audio spotter does whether unless it's a, a live spotter and so i messaged scott and i said hey have you considered a design for for vr and he said it's fun another tester and he said yes so i'm excited he's going to send me a send me the product and I'll, I'll look forward to testing it out and you know if the test model is fine i'll i'll purchase it from him or if he wants me to send that back and purchase a model i'll probably get that because i have i have so many different audio things going on it would be nice to not be as reliant on on an audio spotter and instead have those lights kind of lighting up in the corner of my eye or something very cool all right so you're getting involved in that beta test all right, uh, Jesse Gray, final thought. Just uh, getting getting excited to get all the uh, Fanatic gear in and uh, start tweaking and adjusting all those. And got my eye flagged this past week. Speaking of silent spotters, I uh, didn't even realize it has that feature. And uh, like uh, Greg was saying, and I don't remember what he's using currently, but on the same exact way he describes his is it's faster than your verbal spotter. And I, like David... I might even honestly uh, shut the uh, verbal spotter off because it is, you get a headlight just even, just basically kind of like what you dealt with in Michigan on the backstretch. As soon as that guy's even a hair on you, it's it's lighting up, letting me know, hey, you're there just enough to even turn the guy. So I uh, really like that feature. But yeah, I'm just looking forward to all the new hardware. All right. Uh, very good. Will Gibson, final thought. Uh, not a whole lot here. I uh, just want to thank uh, Mason and the team for building such a great set last week. I know I only had one shot at the race, and uh, that was the first time I think I've ever been in contention for an NIS win at Michigan. I know the team killed it. You had got picked up your victory, so 
that was really cool, really fun. I know we've um we started working on Sonoma already, so I'm already looking forward to that. Um, but the way work's been, I'm glad NIS has an off week this week. It could have timed out better. So just uh, looking forward to that. And hopefully there is a 410 non-wing pro sprint car series. That would really uh, spice things up on here for me. All right. Very good. Uh, my final thought. Uh, thank you to uh, Garrett Lowe for coming on the show. He did bail about halfway there because he can't get in a word edgewise. But we appreciate Garrett coming on and telling us all about his run in the peak. Uh, he really put on a show at Sonoma. It was fun to watch. Uh, make sure to check out that uh, peak review video, uh, and you can get see some of that action. Uh, I want to give a shout-out to a listener, uh, Bodie Cryer. I actually ran with him in a dirt truck race uh, the other day. He did send me a message saying bravo to the podcast, and he said it's been a great resource for him. So it's always good to hear from the listeners. If you see me on the track or any of us on the show, Give us a yell out, man, and give a shout shout out. Tell other people about the podcast uh, when you're in a race because there's iRacers out there that don't know about us. And uh, So check it out. We had a long show today because it is an off week and uh, got through all the topics. So I appreciate everybody hanging in there. And with that, we'll see you on the track. Later. Thank you for listening to the iRacers Lounge podcast. Make sure to go subscribe to us on iTunes, SoundCloud, or Google Play, Facebook, and Twitter. See you on the track.